Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and I cannot wait to talk to our very special guest for our Thanksgiving edition of the 49ers Access podcast. Today, we're going to preview the Rams game, reminisce about the Harbaugh could have been dynasty, and take a look back at our guest's NFL career, and we'll have some Thanksgiving Day fun joining us today. He's a former 49ers and Rams linebacker and currently coaches at the City College of San Francisco. It's Larry Grant. Larry, I really appreciate you talking to me today. You're taking time out of your day. I know you're recruiting, you're, you're with your family, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. But before we jump into San Francisco, the 49ers against the Rams this weekend, I want to ask you, uh, how does the, the City College Rams look this season? Well, you know, obviously everybody's been uh, pushed a little bit behind with uh, with the pandemic going on right now. But, you know, we've put together some real good uh, some real good things with our program. And we're excited about the spring season. Granted, everything works out in our favor. You know, this this January and February, we get to start going. But, you know, we've, we've recruited well. We got some really good uh, incoming guys coming in coming in uh, for this 2020 season. And uh, we got some really good returners coming back, too. So now we're, we're getting that, that great feel of old going back to those uh, national championship days. You know, so we, we, we feel pretty good with what we've got going on. Well, if the City College Rams feel good, then I should feel good about having you on today as a guest. And so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's talk about this Niners Rams game. This Sunday, Niners come in four and six, coming off a bye week. The Rams are seven and three. They just beat the Bucks. Now they're at the very top of the NFC West. Uh, they only have six days of prep, though. Niners had a, a long bye week ahead, but you took part on both sides of this rivalry. You were at the Rams from 2008 to 2010, San Francisco 2011 2012. How did you prepare for a game like this? And did a game against the Rams when you were in San Francisco still carry the weight as kind of like a heated rival uh, compared to how it was like playing Seattle, who we all know was kind of the rival during your time in San Francisco? You know, for me, you know, being in St. Louis at the time, it was a little bittersweet because I'm playing against my home team. So it was a, the rivalry was a little bit different, different for me. And the same thing went, same thing goes when I, when I came back home and play with the home team, you know, it felt even a little bit different for me as well, playing against my old team and also a, an, 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 a longtime rival of, of the organization. But i tell you what, you know, the preparation never changes. You know, every week we prepare the same, you know, as if we, we, we got a, a ball game to win. You know what I mean? But obviously it's a little different edge. It's a little different feel when you walk into that organization, to that locker room uh, that Monday to prepare for the Rams or to prepare for the 49ers. In this uh, in this rivalry, do the coaches carry themselves differently as well? I'm I'm sure players do. You obviously just said they did, but we heard Kyle Shanahan say this year after the Niners beat the Patriots. Granted, I could say demolished the Patriots in New England. Uh, when when the team was headed into Week Eight against Seattle, Kyle Shanahan says, "We know who we have next. Like we have this game circled on our calendar all year." Yeah. Did did Harbaugh carry that into the week of having a little more fire under him, knowing he's playing against the Rams or Seattle? Of course. Well, you know, Harbaugh was, Harbaugh was always a fiery guy. Yeah. You know, no matter who we played on Sunday or Monday or Thursday or whatever day it was, you know, but obviously when you play an NFC West opponent, the, the feel is a little bit different when you walk out, in, walk out in that place, walk out there in, uh, in Santa Clara. The feel is a little bit different, you know, so there's a different edge, not only, and it comes from the head guy. Once it comes down, the edge comes from the head coach and it, it comes all over the players as well. So obviously – it's a different feel when you're playing an NFC West rival, and that's kind of how we feel. Everybody in the NFC West is a rival to us, 
You know what I mean? But, you know, we, 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 we are, we're all professionals and we go into this game, you know, we prepare the same way every single week. But obviously, like I said, the field is different. And, you know, you got to stand up against teams like the Rams and teams like Seattle. So it's a big one for us, for sure. We've seen this Niners team struggle. They're four and six of the season. Uh, granted, you didn't play on a Niners team that struggled that much, but uh, there were certain times, maybe a quarter or maybe just one drive where the team didn't get the job done. Or maybe when you were in St. Louis, where things were a little more rough than they were here in San Francisco. Um, when you played for a team like that or during a part of the game like that or didn't go your way, was there a certain player that the team looked to to say, hey, help us get back on track? And who needs to be that player for this Niners team knowing that their season technically isn't over yet and they still have something to fight for? There's always that that veteran presence, that leadership presence that everybody looks for. You know, uh, you know when, I was, when I was in St. Louis, you know, there was a guy um, by the name of Tory Hope you know, who we expected, who, who, who showed us the way of the land and, and, uh, and, and played in that rival, in those rival games for so many years. And, you know, when I was in San Francisco, you know, there was, there was many guys. There was Justin Smith, there was Patrick Willis, you know, even Navarro Bowman, a young Navarro Bowman at the time, you know, Alex Smith. There was many, many veterans that played in these rivalry games that uh, obviously we, we leaned on. But, you know, at, at, there was also certain times that, those, those, those vets had to lean, lean on the young guys and lean on some of the guys that nobody expected to be uh, those big-time leaders. So it's really all a collaborative team effort in terms of these games, but you always have that one guy that everybody ex- that leans on and everybody expects to get some of that energy from. And everybody's seen Patrick Willis, Patrick Willis pregame. You know, and, and it don't matter if you're on the sideline or if you're all the way up in the, in, in the nosebleed seats, when Patrick Willis come out that tunnel, you can feel that energy when playing against the NFC West opponent. You know what I mean? So, uh, like you said, there, there are those guys that everybody lean on. And, and for us, this for us, you know, uh, just watching the team and watching how things have been going these last uh, 10 weeks of the season, you know, uh, 54. You know, everybody was leaning on Fred Warner to come to show up, make those plays, and he's he showed up every single week. You know, he, he hasn't let up a down so far in his first 10, 11 weeks of the, of the season. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to see another young, another young linebacker doing it for, doing it for my city, for San Francisco and doing it for our program. I'm proud to see him doing it. And, and uh, the expectation level is, is, is getting higher and higher for him. And he's standing up to it every single game. Well, it's hard to not mention the defense you played with in San Francisco, Justin Smith, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, like you said, and I'm sure you know by now that Patrick Willis if he's not, he should easily be one of the top five greatest linebackers of all time, yes. even in the short career he played here in San Francisco. But he is one of the top five or top 25 NFL Hall of Fame finalists this season. Now, I'm going to assume you agree with me that Willis should be a Hall of Famer. 100%. But can you tell myself and the rest of 49er uh, fans and the faithful what it was like to line up with a guy like Patrick Willis, who brought the intensity every single down. You mentioned the pregame, but during the game, what was it like to play across from Patrick Willis? You know, it's always those guys you play with and watch them play at the same time that want, that, that makes you want to be a better player, all right? That makes you be able to tell guys in the street from where you're from or your young family members or young kids, young athletes that, that want to play ball, this is the guy you want to be like. And Patrick Willis was that guy, you know? He was that guy that showed up every Monday, you know, on a bye week to prepare 
like we had the Super Bowl on Sunday. You know, it showed up every Thursday when it was more of a walkthrough tempo. Every Friday, more of a every Friday or Saturday, for say, when it's more of a walkthrough tempo, that practice at a full speed pace at all times. Like a lot, a lot of like a lot of people say, like Jerry Rice. You know, he was that guy. You know, for for our program and lining up with him, uh, you know, and even against him. You know, and seeing the things that he that he can do on the field. You know, it was it was amazing. It was awesome, and, and I knew then watching him as a young boy, as a young fella growing up, that he was going to be something special in in, in this business. You know, and and I'm I'm right there at the same level. You know, in terms of age, you know, not not a play guy. The guy was all the guy was amazing, but in terms of age, I can see it in my own, with my own eyes that this guy is special. He's a he's a Hall of Famer someday. You know, granted he didn't play 15 years or 20 years like Ray Lewis. You know, he played you know, eight, you know, there, there's many guys like that played a shorter, a shorter career that's in the hall of fame out there in Canton. Now coach Singletary, you know, Barry Sanders, a lot of guys played short season that made it. And he, he is more deserving than any guy who we believe at the linebacker position to be in, 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 in Canton. And uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds for him, you know, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm just blessed to be able to be a part of a program that he played in and see and see the intensity that he played with every single play. You know, I'm just blessed to be a guy that uh, is even mentioned in the, in the category of Patrick Willis. Well, I can remember the day Patrick Willis got drafted and I'm probably giving my, my, my age out here. I was playing little league baseball uh, for, for the Pittsburgh pirates. And my dad comes, he goes, Hey, we just drafted this linebacker. I don't miss. I have no idea who he is, which my dad isn't a big football guy, but I remember saying, as like an eight-year-old, this guy is going to be amazing. And while I wasn't trying to break the future, like somehow my eight-year-old self knew somewhere deep down, this guy is going to be amazing. And, and he, he altered, you could say probably the history of the Niners era uh, with him while he was there. He really changed the culture. Uh, he was a tone setter, uh, but you mentioned Fred Warner uh, and you kind of hinted at, you know, how great you think he is. Do you see a lot of similarities between Patrick Willis, maybe even Navarro Bowman and Fred Warner on this team now? You know, he got a lot of similarities uh, to a, a lot of great guys that played in this business, not just Pat and, and, and Bo. You know, uh, Fred Warner right now is kind of in a league of his own in terms of how he plays the game. With the athleticism that he plays, you know, uh, with, with how he's tackling all over the field, you know, how, how, how great he's playing in coverage, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of a, a mixture of all those guys. You know, when you, when you think about Patrick – when you think about Pat, you think about sideline to sideline, side side line, playing physical every single play and aggressive, you know, and, and just playing with that, that different type of intensity. You know, when you think of Navarro, you also think of a sideline sideline side sideline player, but you, the athleticism is completely different in terms of Pat and Bo. You know, they move much different. But now you think of the next guy who I believe is next in line is right here, Fred Warner. He's playing with that intensity sideline to sideline, not probably not as not with the physicality that, Pat played with, but he's playing with the finesse that Navarro played with and the athleticism and coverage that Navarro played with. So you, you, you see something special in the making here with, with Fred Warner. I'm excited about his future, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm even more excited that, you know, he's rocking at 5-4 every week. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, I think uh, every Niner fan should be excited, especially not only to hear Fred Warner's going to be, if not already the best line, linebacker in the NFL, but one, he is rocking the 5-4, but also when you hear him in a conversation with names like Patrick Willis, like Navarro Bowman, it almost gives you chills of saying we may have uh, one of the greatest linebackers already on the team after coming from two guys who 
should be Hall of Famers in Bowman and Willis. Uh, but I want to go to the offensive side of the ball for a second here. And you, know, you not only played with, but also suited up against some of the greatest running backs of the 2000s and, and even the 2010s. You you played for and against Frank Gore, who we all know is still playing today with the Jets, um, and Steven Jackson, who uh, I think goes underrated for his time in St. Louis uh, uh, of what he did there. I mean, he was just built like a brick house. You could not bring him down. And uh, I can say every single Sunday, I didn't play, obviously, but I was like, we have to play Steven Jackson again, really? Like, this guy's going to kill us. <laughs> so, um but I think my favorite play of your career is you were in San Francisco 2011. You're, you're playing against the Rams. And I don't know how you did it. Maybe it's just a testament to, to how good of an athlete you were. But you met Steven Jackson in the hole, lit him up. Your helmet flies off. Uh, and, and you're just going crazy. The whole team is hyped up. Uh, do you remember that play? Like, what was your mind going through that play? And even afterwards, you're out there celebrating. Like, what were you thinking after stuffing Steven Jackson, who we all know was a great linebacker or running back in the NFL? Well, you know, it was a, to me, looking at it, it was a routine third and one play, third and short play. I understood that I had to play downhill, and I understood what I had to bring dealing with that 235, 40-pound <laughs> guy on the other side of the ball. Everybody in the, everybody in the stadium knew he was going to get the ball on, on, on that down. But with my mindset, I knew uh, playing in that, in that organization, playing for that system, I kind of understood, you know, with the film study, you know, just because, you know, in that game, patch started, ended up, come getting a little banged up and having to come out so the good thing about our guys at that linebacker position while we've had so so much success with one guy getting hurt and the next guy coming in hence 57 that plays with us now you know we've had so much success because we all we all train and we all prepare as if we're going to play 60 plays each week so in the preparation throughout the week I kind of had to understand what I was going to get had to play downhill everybody else played with me all 11 and, you know, granted, I'm, I'm that guy that had to come down and make that play. And, you know, I met him at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if you watched any, watched my, my career clearly, uh, closely, but I don't know why, but at the same time, every time I make that full contact, my helmet starts to pop off. <laughs> and, uh, and in this one, in this one in particular, it was against somebody that was the same size as me, probably even bigger, you know, and I wasn't a bit, I wasn't a small guy by any means. And boom, there's that helmet. I knew that, the clock was running down. It was the end of the quarter, so I can celebrate a little bit more than I would if it was a routine play. So, you know, I was just pretty I – was, I, was, I, was, I was really aware of the, the timing of the play. I was aware of the time on the clock and everything. So, you know, it was a fun time. You know, that, those, that, that was some good days in San Francisco. So, you know, it, was, it, was, it just happened to work out for the best for our team on that day. I will have to admit, I, I definitely did take a look at your highlights the last couple of weeks in preparation of contacting you and talking to you today, but but that was one that stuck out to me, and, and you were always someone who I looked at and said, like, Larry Grant is someone who maybe isn't a big name, but he seems to always be there when it matters. Uh, I was watching your tape against the Steelers uh, in 2010-2011, and you were jumping off the tape constantly, and so... I want to ask you, it, you know, I mentioned my favorite play of yours. Is there a certain play of your career you look back on fondly that sticks out to you and say, like, man, like, like that play I could think about and go, like, that's the one play I made in my entire career where I go, that was it. That was number one. You know, it's, it's, it's a few of them. You know, the, the, the two, the three that stand out to me the most, obviously, is the, is the, 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 the play, play versus St. Louis. Um, the next play that stands out to me the most is uh, another play is um, we were playing in uh, 
in New York against the Jets. And uh, I went to go, I went, the first time I went to go block the punk, Brad Seeley, you know, who just retired, he was our special teams coordinator. I went to go block a guy and I seen that coach. I got an opportunity to make a play here, you know, free me up and let me go. Let me go get it. Coach Seeley was like, Larry, are you sure? I said, I got you, coach. <laughs> sure enough, he, he, he let me loose and I blocked the punt. You know, obviously we were winning the game, but that was just put a stamp on the whole entire game. And, you know, that was awesome. And then obviously the last play, the number one play of my career is, is, is playing down there in Seattle. You know, when it was big, big game, uh, big game, I believe it was Sunday night football. And uh, it was for the conference. It was for the conference. And it was for a, uh, a better playoff picture for us. And, uh, you know, having that play against uh, rest in peace, uh, Tavares Jackson, uh, stripping, stripping the ball from him, you know, and, and, and being able to walk into the stands with a buddy of mine at the time, who's still my buddy now, he told me before the game, he said, Larry, hey, I got these pack of Skittles. <laughs> I said, hey, hold on to them. I'll be back before the game is over with. Sure enough, right after that play, I walked over to the stands. He poured his Skittles on me. You know, it was, it was kind of a shot against yeah. me and my guy, Marshawn, you know, two Bay Area guys. He's from Oakland. I'm from San Francisco. But it was just, uh, it, was, it was fun. You know, and that's definitely the most memorable time of my career. Well, I think the dogs in the back definitely heard you say your play against Seattle, and they got hyped up too. I think any Niner fan would say any Niner who makes a great play against Seattle, they're going to get pumped up uh, and get and get hyped up. But uh, let's talk about running backs. We talked about Marshawn Lynch, talked about Frank Gore. Let's focus on Frank Gore for a second. And we, we heard Frank Gore say, if the Jets finish 0-16, I'm not going to retire. Now, I'm someone who would hopefully like you to join me on the campaign to get Frank Gore back to San Francisco in 2021. If he's indeed going to retire, Larry, would you join me on that campaign and getting Frank Gore back to the Niners? I'm a big guy. I'm a, I'm a big Frank Gore guy. You know, not only obviously former teammates and buddies, you know, uh, he's just an ageless man. <laughs> you see him today and he looks exactly how he looked yes. 15 years ago in the league early at University of Miami still looks exactly the same, you know, uh, and he's still running, he's still running the ball well. You know, I've been saying for the longest, even when he got let go, man, I would love to see him back in that 21. Yeah, I would love to see him back in San Francisco, rocking those, those pants, halfway up his squad, halfway up his quad, no knee pads and just running and rock. Man, I, I, he looked, it was a beautiful scene having him uh, in San Francisco, you know, and if he does retire, you know, uh, what an amazing career, one of the greatest of all time, greatest to ever do it, you know, but I'll, I'll also like to see him hold on a couple of years to, to maybe play a play a season with his son in the league as well. That'd be awesome. That would be, he, he'd probably join Griffey uh, and, and Griffey Jr. amongst others as if his son does come to the NFL and, and play very well as probably one of the greatest father-son tandems of all time. That would be awesome. Um, but, but he is third all time in rushing yards. He's just behind Peyton and Sanders. And, uh, he is, in my opinion, I'm sure yours as well, the greatest running back in Niners history. Um, and he's a player who you can only really say great things about. And so, uh, and, and all due respect to him, he's kind of like the grandfather of the NFL right now, where, you know, the younger kids may have only heard of Frank Gore. They may have seen him on Buffalo and the Jets, but not known kind of how actually underrated Frank Gore was in his time with San Francisco, where you know he was putting in work all the time. He was grinding hard, battling through injuries. And a guy who was probably is one of the most durable running backs we've ever had here, despite having the college injuries with the, with the ACLs, 
but what is something that stood out to you about Frank Gore that put him above his competition in San Francisco? Well, you know, the one thing that I, uh, I appreciate, you know, that you don't, you don't see from a lot of guys nowadays in the league. You know, first off, Frank always came to work like, with, with a hard hat on, like a blue-collar guy. You know, and that's one thing that Coach Harbaugh used to always say, come to work with a hard hat like, well, or with, like a blue-collar guy. You know, he came to work every single day, prepared, came to training camp in shape, all right, and, and mentally prepared. Uh, first and foremost, you know, and, and what I what I appreciate about Frank is that nowadays you see, you know, the older generation, the guys that, that are finishing up at the tie at the tail end of their career, they're all trying to go to teams that that are Super Bowl contenders. You know, Frank, his love for the game is a little bit different. He just want to play. You know, it's not for the check. It ain't for because he's made a lot of checks in his career. It's not for the for the glory of winning games. He wants to win, obviously. But at the end of the day, the guy just won't just love playing the game. And that's why he's still playing to this day, you know, because he just loves playing the game, you know, and that's what he did for our program. He didn't say much, but because of the way he worked, because of the way he came to practice, because of the way he did everything as a professional, he, it showed him, it showed younger guys like myself, younger, younger uh, guy, younger vets, how to, how to be, how to be vets. You know, he, he was a great guy in that aspect. I think the one thing that sticks about about Gore to me is recently he was in Buffalo and he made it a point to make sure Devin Singletary met Adrian Peterson when uh, the football team and the Bills played each other. Like that to me is a testament as to who Frank Gore was and, and who he still is. A guy who who wants to help younger guys. A guy who is there, gonna put in his hard work, gonna lead by example, but gonna make sure the younger guys get the I don't want to say teaching, but get the help or maybe talk to the right people to help advance their career. Is that what you saw from Frank Gore? That, that's, that's always him. You know, whether it was Kendall Hunter, who was there as a young guy, he wanted to see Kendall Hunter get in there and get his reps. You know, Anthony Dixon, same thing. Get in there and get your reps. You know, even when LaMichael James was there. And no matter who it was, you know, whether it was a guy that everybody, so to say, was going to come in and take over for Frank, or whether it was a guy that would come be a, a good one-two with Frank, Frank wanted to see all those guys succeed, you know, and it wasn't just the running backs, you know, for what he could do for, for certain guys that are opposing positions, you know, defensive guys in the weight room. Hey, I remember him. I remember when we were in Youngstown, you know, for those, for those two weeks at a time, you know, going to the weight room to get some extra work in. I would see Frank in there and he was like, hey, come over here. Let me show you something. And it ain't got nothing to do with football. Really. It's just something that he does in the weight room to make himself better. You should do this. It'll help you with your core. It'll make you a little bit stronger, more stable in the core. And the type, that's the type of person he is. You know, he's a very unselfish guy, you know, and very – a guy that plays with a lot of emotion. You know, he likes to see everybody have success, you know. And, and he, he, he gets a thrill within himself to see everybody else having success. Speaking of Frank Gore, and I, I don't want to bring up any bad memories, but – as, as a Niner fan, as someone who, who wants to be honest and have an open conversation and knows how Niner fans think and knows how heartbroken they were uh, when the, the clock ticks zero against Baltimore in the Super Bowl. And a lot, a lot of Niner fans could say, like, why didn't we hand the ball off to Frank Gore with goal to go? It, is, is that something that I'm sure you look back and say, man, like, I wish you could have won against Baltimore. Every competitor does that. Every competitor wants that ring. Is that something that haunts a player a little bit afterwards? Like, did anyone say anything? Or like, not necessarily haunts. You know, guys don't guys don't get haunted over. You know, everybody has their own. Everybody's entitled 
to their own opinion. You know, we had guys on the sideline, we had guys on the field saying, you know, hey, get a ball to Frank, get a ball to Frank, or do this or do that. You know, but there was something that we seen, that Coach Harbaugh seen throughout the week that he felt we would have success, we, we would have success with, you know, uh, at that moment of the game. You know, obviously, if you really play it back and really watch the game, that was a play that we had drawn up before we called a timeout because we didn't, we didn't manage the clock properly at that moment of the game. And after we, after, as we called, as Coach Harbaugh called timeout, you know, that quarterback draw, it was basically a quarterback power with, it, with, with cap to keep the ball. You know, we had a puller going up through the hole. We had Delaney Walker pulling up inside of the hole. And then we also had Frank leading. You know, if we manage that clock properly, uh, Cap walks into the walks into the end zone untouched. Delaney Walker has nobody to block. But the problem is, is you know, once we did wasn't able to make that play happen, you know, Baltimore seen it as well. They made the adjustment in time, so we had to go to our second option. You know, and I'm not against what Coach Harbaugh did because, you know, if we do that play ten times, I believe that, you know, we at fifty percent of the fifty percent of the time it's gonna work. It's football. You know, we're all professionals, you know, we make adjustments. So at the end of the day, you know, granted, we didn't come out with the victory, you know, but, you know, we, we, we did something that the 49ers program hadn't done in a long time. And we appreciate it. And now we're looking forward to the future of what uh, Coach Shanahan, you know, and, uh, and John are planning for the future of this program. And we're excited about it. I want to stick uh, in that Super Bowl one more, just one more question there, and that's, what was it like when the power went out? Because at home we're saying, what just happened? But did did, did halftime, did something click? Did, did the power outage kind of help you guys kind of rearrange things and get back on track? Because that's probably one of the biggest storylines of that game is the power going out. Like, what, what was the mindset after that happened? I mean, you could say that. Everybody could say, you know, something clicked and this and that. You know, but at the end of the day, in this league, it's all about adjustments. Everybody goes in at halftime we make adjustments to help our team win. You know, we went in and made an adjustment and unfortunately the dang power went out, you know what I mean? And it postponed it. I don't know if it helped our momentum or if it gave us more momentum or if it slowed them down. I don't know what it did theoretically. I don't know is that we were ready to play and we were itching for a long time. And then when we got back in that game and, and, and the play, we tried to put on our, as best as we could for, for, the, for the city of San Francisco. Well, I can tell you now as a fan, I will say that is one of my favorite games to watch. Albeit the outcome wasn't what we all wanted it to be in San Francisco, but but that game from the beginning of being like, what, like, what is going on? Why can't we score? Why can't we stop them to we're right back in this game and, and we're going to win this thing. Like that is one of the, the biggest emotional roller coasters as San Francisco Niner fans we've ever been on. And, and, and it was awesome. It was a great ride to be on with this team. And we all love that team. I mean, you were on it, and but we all love every single player on that team. But 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 you played for the Niners, uh, the teams that saw success with two quarterbacks. Alex Smith, he had his incredible comeback against the Saints and got his career kind of back on track with the stability of Harbaugh. And then Kaepernick took over due to Smith's injury and took this team, took that team, I guess you could say, to new heights that they really hadn't seen since the mid-1990s. Um, how was being on a team, I guess, with the somewhat quarterback controversy, and how does that affect a locker room? Like, were there people on Team Smith and Team Cap, or, like, what was that like? You know, like you said, everybody loved that team. You know, we loved each other as a program, you know, as a team. 
you know, and, and it was just something different about that team. No matter who played, you know, we backed them up 100% because all we wanted to do as a team and a brotherhood of men was win games for each other. So the way we said, the way we looked at it was no matter whether it's Alex back there or no matter whether it's Cap back there, we're going to play just as hard for either, either of them, you know, to get this, to bring this dub to this program, you know, and uh, obviously there, there were Smitty guys, Alex, me, and then there were Cap guys. At the end of the day, we were, we, we were a team. And that's one thing that Coach Harbaugh instilled into the, into that program. It brought us in, brought us more into a team atmosphere. You know, I've, I've never been around a team or an organization when the offense players hung out with the defensive players as much as that team did. You know, we're, we're a band of brothers, and it stuck that way, and it's still it's still that way to this day. This current team in 2020, they kind of have itself somewhat of a quarterback controversy with Jimmy Garoppolo playing somewhat of the Alex Smith role, a guy who took this team to heights he hadn't seen in a while going uh, to the Super Bowl last year against the Chiefs. Uh, they hadn't seen that success in almost a decade. Then he got hurt this year, and he has struggled somewhat for a variety of reasons. Um, what do you make of Jimmy Garoppolo and... Like I guess more so, what do you think of the the idea of moving off of him in 2021? You know, it's hard for me to say moving off from him because what he's done for the organization in the whole. You know, uh, he went eight. He, he what did he go seven and zero when he beat, when he when he got the role when he first got here? He was five and zero in 2017. Okay, and then in 28, and then what did he do in 2018? He went and got hurt against Kansas City, then came back in 2019 and, and took the team. And then took the team where? To the Super Bowl. You know, so obviously what Jimmy Garoppolo has done for our program is amazing. You know, he's done, he's done really, really well. And 2020, he hasn't had the best, the, the, the greatest season. And, and everybody in the world can see that. You know, so saying moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, that's, I believe that's kind of premature just, just yet. Premature. You know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo playing, on, playing with injury with that ankle, you know, uh, and then Nick Mullins coming in and giving us spurts of, of, of great play than, than some down play. Same thing for CJ. You know, uh, the controversy is more so outside of the locker room than it is inside the locker room. You know, J- Jimmy, everybody has seen what Jimmy Garoppolo can do and how he can lead our team, you know. But this team in, in, in 2020, this team is basically what they say can be dismantled with injuries. I believe there's no other team in the league that has more injuries than us. You know, so when, when we're a healthy 49er team with Jimmy Garoppolo underneath the helm, you know, is the outlook of the NFC West is still competitive, but the guy who's in, in the league is a different team, I believe. You know what I mean? Uh, but he's a good quarterback. You know, obviously every organization, if you're not trying to get better at every position, you're doing something wrong. You know, if you're not trying to get better at every position, you're doing something wrong. You know, whether it's finding another quarterback in the draft or finding another quarterback in free agency that can come in and compete with Jimmy Garoppolo. Finding finding another receiver that can come in and give us more explosive games, more explosiveness, just like IU, the young IU, getting Debo back. Finding another corner that can come in and compete and play right away. Finding another safety that can come in and play, another linebacker. If we're not doing things for the organization to get better, what are we doing? And I believe that at every position, you look at the positions that is going to handle the ball most offensively and find and find out where can we get better. You know, if there's a young guy that can come in and play, 
then we have to we have to definitely uh, address that situation and and decide whether we want to go go left or go go right or bring in another guy to to learn. You know, uh, it, it's it's many ways to think about it, but obviously my biggest thing as a, as as a football guy, a coach, and 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 just understanding the game and 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 the business. If you're not trying to get better at every position, what are you trying to do? I mean that that makes the most sense to me. I love Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I don't think you give up on a guy one year that has been twenty twenty after what he's done to show he's healthy. I think you, you have a guy who's a winner who has come in and proven to be a winner and be able to lead this team. And I get the conversations. You know, you, you can go back and look at the teams you were on and say they went from Smith to Kaepernick, and Smith was a or excuse me, Kaepernick was a more explosive offensive player that he can beat you with his feet. Granted, Smith good too, but Kaepernick was on another level at that point in his NFL career. Um, but, we, but we've also seen how the NFL has kind of changed with guys like Mahomes coming in uh, after his first year and obviously winning the MVP and now being a Super Bowl champion. Justin Herbert's playing pretty well in L.A. Deshaun Watson, who unfortunately doesn't have a team around him, he should have arguably, has shown to be a really good quarterback in this league. Me and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, who've been doing it for a long time, have were kind of these outlier guys who can beat you with their feet and their amazing arms, uh, like those guys can beat you any way possible. Is that something the Niners should be looking for in their next quarterback if they do indeed think of moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo, someone who can beat them with their legs and their big arm? Well, really, it's all about you know what what, what Shanahan and and John is looking for for the for the offense. You know, uh, if you want to make some adjustments and and switch the game plans up to to a guy that can have more success doing it, doing things the way Mahomes does it, doing things the way uh, Russell, Russell Wilson does it, you know, Kyle Murray, you know, if you want to do that, then you'll have to, you'll have, you more than likely you'll have to go in a different direction. But, you know, there's a guy named Tom Brady that had no athleticism at all, you know, but they built around him with that scheme and won championships uh, consecutively, you know, and I believe I'm not comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to, to, to the GOAT in my, in my eyes uh, by any means. But what I am saying is that, you know, if they believe, if we believe in Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in, an, in an organization, I believe you get him healthy first and foremost, and then you build around him to continue to make this offense go like a machine. And everybody has seen when this offense is healthy, it's very, it, it's, it's, it's tough to stop this offense. You know, same thing goes for our defense. When our defense is healthy, it's tough to score. It's tough to move the ball. You know, uh, so I, I believe it really all depends on what John and what, what, what Coach Shanahan, the, um, the vision that they see for the future. You know, if they see the vision for the future is, is, is Jimmy Garoppolo, we need to, play, we need to figure out how to, how to build around him the right way to get him to, uh, to, to continue his success in a healthy way. Well, you mentioned being healthy, and, and you played on teams that generally didn't have too many injuries or, or injuries that maybe decimated the entire season, like a Nick Bosa or, or players like that. But we've seen this team struggle, like you said, the most injuries in the entire NFL. I think it's above $80 million on IR this season at a certain point, which it just it's hard to even wrap your mind around that. But this week, they should be getting Raheem Mostert back, Debo Samuel, and Richard Sherman. Uh, how imperative are they into getting this team back on track not just on Sunday against the Rams but also trying to make that final playoff push towards the end of the season very much so you know um replacing the defensive rookie of the year 
you know, it's tough. Replacing arguably in this generation the best corner to play the game. It's tough. All right. And replacing arguably one of the best offensive linemen in Joe Staley is tough. Play replace him with one of the best in our game today, Trent Williams. But now look at him with the COVID. He's if I'm correctly, he's 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 is he missing his game this week? He is doubtful. Yes. He's doubtful. Okay. And you know, replacing Devo. You know, all these guys. You know, with these injuries. You know, replacing those guys is is, is tough. You know, you, you can't just go on the street and find Debo, find another Debo. You're never going to find another Richard Sherman. You know what I mean? So with these guys getting back healthy, at the, they're getting back healthy at the right time. Obviously, we're not going to get uh, we're not going to get our, our guy back. We're not going to get that Ohio State Buckeye Bosa back. We're not going to get him back. But other guys that that is a part of the piece of this of the puzzle that we have, you know, to have some successful coming back. We're getting Raheem Mostert back. Like you said, we're getting, uh, we're getting our guy back on deep and Sherm back. You know, uh, we're getting healthy at the right time. You know, granted, we didn't just give it all up these last 10 weeks. We still got ourselves sitting right there with an opportunity to slide, to sneak in and sneak in late. You know, granted, some things got to go our way, but we're getting healthy just at the right time. You know what I mean? Uh, now, other guys got to show up that are already healthy. When you look at the, the Niners and Rams, we saw them last year. Uh, the second time San Francisco played L.A. in Santa Clara, Sean McVay uh, kind of changed the offense up somewhat, used a lot of bootlegs, kind of get out of the pass rush, get out of the contained San Francisco had planned for them, and it worked through about three and a half quarters until the Niners had this amazing comeback, the, the two third and 15s in a row to win that game. Um, should we expect Sean McVay, who his team is playing really well, playing a, a lot of great offensive football right now, uh, should we expect McVay to kind of pull the, the rabbit out of his hat and start changing things up again against a solid defense? Of course. Uh, McVay and everybody in that organization in L.A. know that it ain't going to be no pushover coming up coming up here playing these boys. It ain't going to be no pushover playing, playing these 49ers. You know, so you got to, if you come with the same game plan that you've always had, the same result, you're going you're gonna to end up getting the same result. So, you know, for us, we should worry more about you know, maintaining and keeping 99 away from our quarterback, keeping that D-line away from our quarterback. You know, if we can do that, we can have a lot of success on this team. Our defense is going to play well, which, which, which like they always do. You know, obviously, you know, getting that guy out of the pocket and moving around like that, I, to be honest, that might benefit us because how much success have we had in the pass rush game this year with straight dropbacks anyways? We point. haven't had much. We haven't had much success anyways. So, by by moving the pocket, that might benefit us. You know, if, if that's what if that's what he thinks he's gonna do, you know, it, it, it should benefit us. You know, because we still got we still got speed in the defensive backfield. You know, and we got speed at linebacker when to put those underneath routes. You know, in the coverage game, you know, because we got good coverage underneath for 57 to 54. You know, yeah, we should we should do fine. You know, stop the run and limit number 99. And number ninety in that aspect, limit those two limit those two guys on, on on the Rams defense, and stop the run. I think we should be in a good place. Stopping ninety nine is a little easier said than done. Obviously, he's one of the the, the greatest players in the NFL. We did do well against him last time we played him, though. 
We did. I think he had zero sacks and one tackle, and that wasn't until the fourth quarter. Daniel Brunskill played his best game of the season thus far. Uh, we'll have to see uh, what happens to Trent Williams if, if, if Ronis Gross is going to play and play center. Uh, but I think one question at least I have is that knowing the Niners team is not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo this Sunday, uh, and we really don't know who the quarterback will be. Is it Mullins? Is it Bethard? We'll probably find out. Likely be Mullins. Uh, that seems the guy who Shanahan is more confident in. Uh, what do they need to do? to beat a Rams defense really that is playing their best football at the right time? Limit the mistakes. Simple as that, man. Play smart, sound football within the scheme that, that Coach Shanahan has and limit the mistakes. No, we just can't turn over the ball. You know, granted, you know, 85 is not playing either, but we still got the other guy, uh, 81, I believe. And he's playing in – the absence of 80, 85, he's definitely he's not playing at the level of 85, but he's playing at a at a very good – he's in a good place right now. You know, and then uh, our young guys at receiver are playing well as well. You know, uh, I, I believe as long as we limit the mistakes, you know, we got a chance at winning this game. Well, you played against – or you played with, excuse me, 85, and we have our own 85 now. Do you see any similarities? Because we know Vernon Davis kind of transcended what a tight end can do in the NFL, being more of a receiving threat. Uh, do you see any similarities in what Vernon Davis has done and what George Kittle is doing now in San Francisco? Of course. You know, there, there, there's, there's a lot of similarities. Um, obviously, I believe, you know, the difference between the two, you know, George, um, uh, Vernon, Vern, he can take the top off at any, at any, at any given time. You know, you can put him in a whole bunch of different places. As you can't kill, but Vern, in terms of his athletic nature, is a lot different than what Kittle is, you know. But Kittle is a lot more effective in the run game than Vern was, you know. So, and, and the way that Coach Shanahan runs his offense, you know, by giving Kittle fly sweeps and stuff like that, you know, Vern didn't do any of that, you know. But uh, Kittle's a, you know, he's one of the best two tight ends in the game, you know. Uh, and arguably, he's the, he's the best guy. You know, so not having him is a major, major hole in our offensive game. You know, but that that guy's going to be in this league for a very long time. And, and when his diet, if he can stay healthy, when his time is done in this business, you know, he'll go down as one of the greatest. Well, hopefully the Niners can walk away with the win on Sunday uh, against the Rams. But this Thursday is an even bigger day, not only because it is uh, Thanksgiving Day football, but because it is this giant feast of food as us Americans gorge ourselves with uh, for one day, then sit back and eat pie and everything, and then on Friday do the exact same thing all over again. So, Larry, before I let you go, I must know, what is your go-to Thanksgiving Day dish and dessert? Uh, well, my go-to is my mom's stuffing. All right. She put it sweet. It it is just the best thing ever. You know, and, and this is something that we ask my mom to make, not only on Thanksgiving, but any other holiday. We make holidays up to get that stuff. <laughs> okay. And then uh, uh, my go-to dessert is a sweet potato pie. Mm. Sweet potato pie. That crust, I, I, crust got to be soft, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like my crust chippy and all over the place, you know, but uh, sweet potato pie is my go-to dessert for sure. My uh, my mom is making a a pumpkin cheesecake this year. It's delicious. Wow. But, but but Larry, it's been great to have you on. You can follow Larry on Twitter at LarryGrant95. And if you haven't, go back and watch his highlights. Go up back and watch the helmet fly off against the Rams. Go watch him stuff Steven Jackson at the goal line. He was phenomenal special teams. And, and a player that really stood out 
on a really good Niners team in 2011 and 20 uh, in 2012. Larry, we wish you the best of luck coaching at the City College of San Francisco this year. Bring back some national championships and have yourself a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you. I wish everybody the best. It was great to talk to Larry Grant right before Thanksgiving. Everyone out there, part of the faithful, have a happy Thanksgiving. And as we ramp up for Sunday's game against the Rams, follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access. Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. And be sure to root against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday. That's always an added piece of the pie, you could say when the Cowboys lose on Thanksgiving Day. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. Have a happy Thanksgiving and stay faithful.